Um, so this week, the, uh, the emphasis is on peace. You know, an Advent uh, each week has a different emphasis. Last week was hope. This week is peace. And so I found this really lovely prayer. To be honest with you, I don't even know who wrote it. Um, but it's titled, uh, A Prayer for Peace in a Time of Fear, Anger, and Violence. And I thought maybe that was kind of appropriate for everything that's going on in the world. So let's, um, let's open with this prayer this morning. Will you bow your heads? Lord, somewhere deep inside, we know that it's not supposed to be like this. People are not supposed to strap themselves with explosives and stroll into crowded markets. People are not supposed to be assassinated with missiles leaving places of prayer. People are not supposed to fly airplanes into buildings. People are not supposed to lose their loved ones on fields of battle. People are not supposed to dance over the charred remains of their enemies. Neighborhoods are not supposed to be turned into battle zones. Children are not supposed to be casualties. And war is supposed to be the last resort, if even then. It's the garden that we miss, Lord. It's the garden that we need. We carry its memory. We hum its melody. We mourn its absence. The echo of Eden is peace. It's faint, but we still hear it. The temptation to hate, to seek revenge in the guise of justice, to let our anger and fear stake us into the descending spiral of violence is almost irresistible. We all want to be safe. We all want to be secure. And we think that it's force that will deliver our safety and security. And so we put our trust in chariots, and we give ourselves to princes, and we place our confidence in the strength of our own feeble arms, and then we're surprised by wars and the rumors of wars. So God of peace, teach us another way. Teach us the ways of peace. Let us know the peace that we have with you because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. By your indwelling spirit in our hearts, cultivate the fruit of your presence, one of which is peace. Just as in Christ you broke down the walls of hostility that used to keep us separate from each other, leaving peace in their place. So let Jesus be our peace in all of our relationships. Let your daughters and sons be known in this world as peacemakers. Use us as your ambassadors of reconciliation. And as the angels sang of peace on earth on the day the Prince of Peace was born, so inspire us now to beat our swords into plowshares, and to lean into that day when the lion sleeps with the lamb and your children study war no more. Plant a seed of peace in New York and in Kabul and in Washington, D.C. and in Baghdad, in Madrid and in Morocco, in Gaza and in Jerusalem, over there and right here, in them and in us. And let that garden of shalom we remember sprout and bloom. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ, who is our peace. 
Amen. So our uh, scripture reading this morning uh, comes from Psalm 85. Now we're not going to read the whole psalm, but I would encourage you to do that in your spare time. But we are going to be looking at verses 1 and 2 and then 8 through 13, keeping in mind that peace is the theme for this Sunday. Listen now for a word from the Lord. O Lord, you were favorable to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people, and you pardoned all their sin. Let me hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people, to his faithful, to those who turn to him in their hearts. Surely his salvation is at hand for those who fear him that His glory may dwell in our land. Steadfast love and faithfulness will meet. Righteousness and peace will kiss each other. Faithfulness will spring up from the ground, and righteousness will look down from the sky. The Lord will give what is good, and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before Him and will make a path for His steps. A word from God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So let's pray. God, may the words of my mouth this morning and the meditations of our hearts as a congregation be acceptable and pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So our text today was Psalm 85. I uh, first became aware of this psalm um, in seminary. Uh, in the early days of seminary, I had this class, and the assignment in this particular class was you are to find a psalm that you are not familiar with and then use that as a launch pad to create some kind of liturgical resource. So, you know, liturgy uh, is prayers, um, uh, anything that could be used in worship. Um, could be considered liturgy. And so what I did was I wrote a song. So I'm going to try to play this for you today, okay? It's been many, many years since I have played this song, uh, but I, it's called Psalm 85. Uh, I think we've got the words we'll put up on the screen. I may even ask you to join in. We'll see how this goes. We'll see if this is in tune. Can you guys hear that? Rescue is near. 
faithfulness will meet on the way. His righteousness and peace will kiss as they embrace. His truth will spring up and justice will rain down as the gardener plants his goodness all around. Sing that with me. His love and faithfulness will meet on the way. His righteousness and peace will kiss as they embrace. His truth will spring up and justice will rain down as the gardener plants his goodness all around. to life again bring us to life again bring us to life again there it is So the reason that I uh, was intrigued and picked out Psalm 85 that day for that assignment was uh, really verses 10, 11, and 12, 13, kind of the end of it. I was really intrigued by this image of God's rescue. The psalmist is, is asking God to rescue them. And, and this image that the psalmist portrays of God's rescue coming both from the sky and from the ground. Isn't that cool? I was like, that's really intriguing. He's talking about love and faithfulness, righteousness and peace, kind of meeting in the middle and embracing and kissing. And I was looking at it this week as I was preparing for the sermon. I thought, okay, probably what the psalmist was, was talking about in the immediate context was crops. He talks about how the crops will yield good things and God will show favor toward our land. And so I thought maybe he's talking about you know, rain and sunshine, and then producing the crops kind of growing up from the ground. But little did the psalmist know or realize that this would come to pass in the birth of Jesus Christ. Do you know what I'm talking about? Because we say that Jesus is both God and man. Born from above and born from a woman flesh and spirit, both mortal and immortal. How that works, we don't know, but it's the deliverance of God wrapped in the person of Jesus, sky and ground, heaven and earth, meeting together in one place to embrace us and to kiss us. And I thought, wow, the psalmist got it right. He didn't know. He was writing about corn crops or wheat fields, but it actually happened when the birth of Jesus occurred. And as we said last week, I don't think anybody saw that coming. Nobody anticipated that. But maybe we should have. Maybe we should have. All you have to do is go back to the very beginning of the Bible, and you see God doing this strange thing. In the beginning, we are told, God spoke the earth into existence. Divine voice 
meets dirt and somehow is intertwined into one thing forever. You know, we talk about uh, uh, crafting things, the potter and the clay. Uh, we were talking in our Advent study about how a table, if, if I make a table, I am making that from, from things that existed before. I, I go into the woods and chop down a tree and plane that and carve it and turn it into a table. Well, when God created the heavens and the earth and us, there was nothing. There was nothing from which to pull from, right, except for God himself. So everything that exists is sourced in God. It's not sourced in a tree out in the woods or sourced in a cornfield. The source is God himself meeting in the middle. Then we find this story in Genesis chapter 2. God first speaks everything into existence. Then in, in, in Genesis chapter 2, God zooms in down close, bends down in the dirt, and starts forming some dirt into a, a lump and, and begins to build it up and creates the first human in the image of God, right? And then God takes this, this mud man and puts his face on it and breathes his own spirit breath into this mud man, and he becomes, becomes animated, alive. Like you can't get any more heaven and earth intertwined than that. that, that that's it, right? God has been in the business since the very beginning of being intimately intertwined with His creation, working in and through His creation rather than from outside of it. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? And it's really interesting because Jesus emphasizes this over and over and over to His disciples. He says stuff to them like, don't worry, you're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit to carry on the work that I have laid out for you. I have given you an example for three years, now I'm turning it over to you. He says crazy things like, guess what? You will do greater things than me, which is why I need to go away. Paul agrees with this. He says crazy stuff like, do you know that you are the body of Christ? Do you know that you are the temple of God? This is all language here that's talking about sky and ground, heaven and earth collaborating together, and it's an ongoing work. God has been in the habit of doing this, and it continues in the person of Jesus Christ, and now it's manifested in us, Jesus tells us. But that can't be right, Jesus. That can't be right, because if you know me, you know I'm a screw-up. You know that I mess up all the time. You know that I'm selfish. You know that I'm sinful. You know that the first thing I think about when I wake up in the morning is me. You know that, Jesus. So how is it that you call me, that you call these people the light of the world? That's reserved for you, Jesus. That's a title we reserve for you, the light of the world. And Jesus said, no, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. That can't be right, though. We just prayed a, a wonderful prayer this morning about how we need God to come 
from some other place to come down and to save me and to save this world. But Jesus' command is quite clear. He says, my peace I give to you in the Gospel of John. My peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. I give you good things. And it is my peace I give to you. And then he says, go. Go and make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He says, go and forgive people their sins. He says that. Go and tell them their sins are forgiven. Go and heal the sick. Free the prisoner. Feed and clothe the poor. Go, and I will be with you, and I will be in you, even till the end of the age. Peace. Peace. Jesus is always beginning these these things that he says with that phrase, peace be with you. Peace be with you. The psalmist knew this. The psalmist is writing, longing for peace. Oh God, that your peace would be poured out upon us, that, that our land would experience peace again. Peace in the Hebrew, the Old Testament, is the word shalom. You've probably heard that word before. Have you heard uh, someone say Shabbat shalom? That means Sabbath rest, right? Seventh day rest, like God rested on the seventh day. That's the kind of rest we want. I don't sleep well at night. I need like Sabbath rest. I need good rest. Shalom, it's this supernatural calm. It's contentment. It's fulfillment. It's what Jesus called abundant life. Shalom is when everything is right with you and with the world. That's shalom. This is what the psalmist is longing for, looking for. And on this side of Jesus, we're still looking for. We're still praying for shalom to come. All you have to do, look at the wars in Ukraine and Gaza. We're still longing for the peace of God. We're still looking for that supernatural peace. Look at the famine and poverty around the world. We long for shalom. Look at the natural disasters. Look at pollution. Look at dwindling resources. We long for God's shalom. Addiction rising mental health problems, we long for God's shalom. When, O Lord, will you give us new life, freedom, salvation, shalom that never ends? When will things be right with me and with all the world? When, O Lord? And the psalmist says, I hear the Lord speaking. I will be quiet now and see what the Lord has to say. And it was quiet this week. And I said, Lord, what do you have to say in response to this? And the Lord said, it begins with you, Jimmy. I knew you were going to say that. I hear the Lord saying, peace doesn't come from above like like a rocket shot in. It comes in and through my creation just like it always has. Just like the very beginning when divine voice met crusty earth and somehow were fused together. Just as I formed that dirt into a a mud man in my image and then breathed life into him, I always work in and through my creation and you are part of that creation 
And so it begins with you, Jimmy Calvert. And it begins with your church members and your congregation. But you've got to be willing to participate in that peace. Is that really all there is to it? Is it that easy? Because I'm, I realize not any single person in this place can change what's happening in the Holy Land or in Ukraine. I don't care how peaceful I am. That, that's not going to change what's going on over there. But I can choose to live peacefully with shalom in my own household. I can raise up my children under the banner of shalom, peace. I can choose to live peacefully in my own neighborhood with my neighbors. I can choose to live peacefully in my community. Every time I go out and about, I can choose shalom. And maybe if you, if you link up these small acts of peace and shalom with the hope, the first candle of Advent, maybe, just maybe, God is in the process of speaking to hearts and minds all over the place, speaking shalom and peace into them too. And maybe then it's not just Jimmy Calvert anymore. Maybe it's Mark too. Maybe it's Mike. Maybe it's Pam. And before I know it, I realize God has been speaking peace and shalom into those around me who follow Jesus, and I'm not the only one. And these small acts become bigger and more powerful and greater. And then you find out that shalom is being spread across the globe as we hope for the appearing, the appearing of Jesus, the appearing of Christ, and the culmination of this Shalom. Because ultimately it will take Christ appearing. Right? Hearts and minds will have to be changed by the appearing of our Lord and Savior. But I think it begins right at home. It begins with us. And this is the mystery of Christmas. Because God did come down and God did grow up in a body of flesh. Somehow, I don't know how that works. God and man, fully God, fully man. Fully human, fully divine, wrapped in one package. Right? That's the mystery of Christmas. And perhaps this whole display, this whole uh, birth of a baby in a manger 2,000 years ago, growing up, Surrounding himself with disciples, teaching them how to live, and then giving his own life only to be raised up on the third day. Maybe all of this is to remind us in a new way that God's presence and God's power are never, ever, ever separate from us. That everything, heaven and earth, sky and dirt, crops, water, land, buildings, pulpits, everything belongs to God and infused with God, including me and you. Maybe that's the whole point of Jesus. And that with the right mindset of both who we are 
and whose we are, God can and will do amazing things through us, just as Jesus predicted. You will do greater things than me, so it is for your benefit that I go away. How strange, how bizarre. Folks, this Advent season, may the peace of Christ rule your hearts and minds, and may we all experience the joy of His salvation. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Will you receive this blessing? May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. May you know that you are perfectly loved, completely forgiven, and uniquely empowered. Now you're called to go out and be the light of the world. Big task, right? Because this week, no doubt, we are going to forget who we are. We're going to forget whose we are. We're going to make some decisions that are rooted completely in love of self. And in those moments, we're going to go, my goodness, how I have failed. But I need you to know, even in those moments, God doesn't think any less of you. That God is always looking down upon us, looking at us from within and saying, y'all are the best of the best of the best. And if you can latch on to that, that's what you're going to need to get up and keep living shalom in the world. So in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, take that good word, believe it, and go in peace. Amen. Amen.